Welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and surprise, it's another Oscar race checkpoint. Yes, we did promise MMO Weekly to be filling out your, I guess, Friday or weekend listening slate, but because it's going to be the end of the week and we like kind of having MMO Weekly at the beginning or middle of the week anyway, we figure, well, let's kick MMO Weekly off to start your new week because there is a lot more Oscar-type news and information falling out as a result of this wild wild Tuesday night and Wednesday night that happened in the Hollywoods, and we figured an ORC would be a good way to cover it. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike. Mike, what's been going on? There's just too much to talk about to uh, get into MMOW and the non-Oscar stuff, the non-AMC versus Universal stuff. We need another episode to really flush this out, and I think... I think it's almost as fun to cover like the three sides of this. And there are, for some reason, three sides. There's the side (laughs) that says, you know, the sky is falling and, you know, the whole movie industry is going to die and Mm -hmm. Netflix is going to reign supreme. There's the side (laughs) that says Universal has all the leverage. And then there's the side that says AMC has all the leverage. And then like you, you know, you said in the last episode, well, the Oscars are basically France, uh, you know, in the middle of the allies. And (laughs) we just want everyone to have fun out there. Yeah, yeah whoever wins will team up with you down the line, uh, which isn't a uh, is not a, a bad strategy by any means. But it's mm-hmm. also amazing that we're going to talk more about AMC and uh, NATO, the Theater Alliance, uh, National Association of Theater Owners versus Universal. And the big bad that we're going to talk about, uh, the backdrop of all of this is Netflix, who isn't involved in this dispute directly whatsoever. They're the fox in the hen house. With somehow a Cheshire Cat grin, right? Because they know they're just going to feast. Yeah, absolutely. They are, I mean, it's all about Netflix, and it seems like every story we have anymore goes back to Netflix and its effect and how it's changing the industry. But Netflix and COVID have rained terror on the movie industry as of late, and it's bringing a lot of people to argue with each other. So let's talk about what we have and catch everybody up to the story so far. So in case you didn't listen to our last breaking news episode, which is our episode immediately previous to this one, we'll catch you up. There have been three major things that happened on Tuesday. One, Trolls World Tour, yes, this is all stemming because of Trolls World Tour, (laughs) was confirmed to be a huge hit on premium VOD, reported a $100 million domestic premium VOD earning, and we explained why this was so profitable for NBC Universal. Then the Academy changes its rules like we expected for Oscar eligibility. They had some more rule changes that we went over in that episode that we'll clarify a little bit later on. But basically, they are giving a temporary allowance for films to exhibit directly to PVOD in some cases or directly to a streaming service. So the King of Staten Island and Trolls World Tour and, of course, and most importantly, Scoob, the Scooby-Doo uh, reboot, I guess we should say, <laughs> with aliens. 
<laughs> you, you have thought about that movie more than anyone not associated with making that product. Because why are there aliens in there? <laughs> anyway, that Oscar juggernaut is, is going to be eligible for Oscars if it wants. As long yes. as it's put uh, within 60 days on the Oscars streaming service, which I'm sure will be going nationwide for us all. Never, but I wish yeah. it would. But basically, you know, that's coming from WB and that's hitting uh, VOD uh, in mid-May. So those two stories were enough to, those were like our, our, our palate cleanser. They got us a reset of the industry. Wow, films can survive and do well on <laughs> premium VOD. Wow, the Oscars have clarified what, a, what is and isn't an Oscars eligible film for 2020. That's cool. And then the big news that dropped for the end of our last episode, literally as we were recording it, we had to go back and re-record the addendum to the end of that episode. So the last 15 minutes was our real-time reactions. Uh, this happened. AMC, the movie chain, the worldwide movie chain, declared that it would no longer show Universal movies in their 1,000-plus movie theaters, and we can confirm today that they seem to have taken Universal films off of their VOD streaming site, including all of the PVOD offerings from Universal. Yeah, I watched The Assistant uh, last night, and all of the Universal stuff was gone, poof, gone, that I could tell. You know, I didn't check every movie. It's like, is this Universal? Is that? You know, I, I don't know necessarily, but... From what I could tell, all of the the main stuff was out of there. Uh, anyway, Mike, we, on Wednesday, Jeff Shell, the uh, chairman of NBC Universal, he gave his first response to AMC and NATO. It's a it's a long winded response. He's very complimentary to the theatrical experience. Well, yes, yes, yes. And everybody's like nodding, and they're nice words. And people get mad at him for saying those nice words later on. But basically, <laughs> the crux of what he says is. Screw you, AMC. We're going to do what we want because on a case-by-case basis, on a movie-by-movie basis, we're going to show movies on both formats, in theaters and on PVOD. And he doesn't say or there on purpose. Yeah, uh, but probably a very true statement. And this has all kind of been fast-forwarded and accelerated by the fact that Universal's earnings call with their Mm. shareholders happened to be, as we record this on the 30th, this morning, Thursday morning. So they, like we did in real time, had like an immediate reaction that they had to clobber together and throw out to people that are interested in all their interested parties. So in response to those statements by Universal, so if you're keeping track now... Uh, AMC said we're not showing Universal movies. Universal came out and gave a response and kind of said Fugazi to you, AMC. (laughs) So in response to Universal's statement, Cineworld, who is the second largest chain of movie theaters, Cineworld CEO Mookie Greidinger, Hall of Fame name, by the way, stated (laughs) that they won't show films that break the theatrical window, but... Unlike AMC, Cineworld didn't go as far as saying they won't show any Universal films. They did just say from this point forward, we're not going to show movies that try to play simultaneously on PVOD and in theater. So they don't go the full AMC, we'll call it. But they did, uh, if they were wagging their fingers before towards Universal, uh, the finger got a little longer this time. Yeah, it's basically World War II right now, basically, you know, and I guess they're the United States condemning what's happening from from certain people. And well, look, I, I bottom line is that there's a lot of tough talk being thrown around. I think it's been fun to watch and listen to all the people on, on our movie podcast everywhere uh, on the uh, trades. You know, some of them are level headed like Ann Thompson and some of them are are just like this is the end of movie going as we know it. <laughs> and this is all going to come to a head. And this is just the first, 
you know, shot in this world war that's going to end in the death of all these people that we love. I mean, that's the crazy thing. Like, we love the theatrical movie-going experience. We love to watch movies at home. We just love movies. And and we're all sitting back, and and they're just firing shots at one another, and it's kind of entertaining. But at the same time, it's just like... Jesus, can we just figure this shit out? <laughs> well, to, to everyone's credit, Universal's included. They all are saying the right things about the theatrical experience thus far, too. We're not trying to undercut it. They can't replace the theatrical experience. It's very important, yada, yada, yada. So if you take things at face value, people see, you know, the theatrical experience is still a very good thing. But this is about, as all things are in this industry, money. And who it can is get, about money. Who can get us the most money and who can get us the most money quickest? But it's also like a Larry David uh, episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where they're like, with all due respect, and you know after the with all right. due respect, <laughs> they're going to just skewer you. And they're going to say, we're going to ignore 90-day windows. We're going to ignore the business model, the handshake, whatever, whatever. I don't think they have it in writing necessarily. It's just business practices. We're trying to research that much today. We don't exactly know. But the bottom line is they're going to go back on the way business has been done for decades, if not a full century now and and they're they're leaving open in in some obvious verbiage they're leaving open open the possibility that they will try to play movies in theaters and simultaneously on pvod and that's what cineworld got so up in arms about now the next big player in this is Cinemark, Mike. They are the second largest movie chain in the U.S. I think they're the third in the world. I, I couldn't get those numbers, a uh, handle on those numbers necessarily. But they're one of the big movie theater chains yes. globally. Now, basically, Cinemark is, is, is like... You two fight it out. I don't want to hear from either of you. <laughs> yeah, NATO is talking tough. Like NATO is basically on AMC's side, but they're not really making any, you know, firm declarations yet, right? And then Cinemark is like, what? What he said? What she said? Right, right, right. Cinemark hasn't gone so far as to make any statement of any kind. They've just been deferring. Yeah, NATO. NATO's got it. NATO's got it. NATO's got it. So it, it, it's a weird time in the industry i think that's an easy sentence to get away with saying and having everyone agree on something at least uh mike gun to your head i guess let's just start here knowing what we now now about everything mm. gun to your head like we like to do and ambush scott feinberg when he comes on with us once a year <laughs> and ask him the best picture winner right away how's this end this ends with a compromise this ends with perhaps a, a shorter window for certain properties. I don't think you'll ever get a movie playing on PVOD and uh, in theaters for all the big chains. Like they're not going to allow that to happen for the rest of the movie going world. However, it's it's fascinating to me because basically Netflix is already just shit all over this rule for the last few years and the academy has allowed it and everybody's allowed it because netflix puts puts movies out for two to three weeks in theaters yes they do the seven day minimum right but mm -hmm. then they they they're usually out for three weeks and the irishman was probably a bigger you know release than most and then they go immediately to their streaming service and i and mike and i if the irishman could somehow show the profits of of what it made on netflix then 
you know, the same way Trolls World Tour did. And if they, if the Irishmen made the same faces as the, the trolls, you know, all right. those mob, mobsters, <laughs> well, they, they made those did. smug, those smug <laughs> poptivism faces. Joe you know, Pesci, I think, has been called a tr- compared to a troll for a while. So it's basically the same movie. And, and that would infuriate AMC. Just like AMC, really, according to our movie going, AMC never showed any of the Netflix films in, in their theater. So I wonder if they are already boxing out Netflix because, like, they don't honor Windows. They don't respect Windows. Why are we going into the business with that? I'm not going to show their movies for three weeks and then allow them to just be shown to the people on TV and let moviegoers create those habits. Yeah, I have two things about AMC's ire here. Um, and you you kind of previewed one of them with what you just said. One is, what is the rule? Like, yes, we know about this 90-day window, right? And we know mm-hmm. that when a theater, when a, a movie theater debuts a film, there's this at least understanding. I don't know if it's a handshake agreement. I don't know if it's a contract. I don't know what it is. But there's at least this understanding historically. There's this precedent that you get 90 days to run in theaters and then VOD will happen. If there's a hard and fast contract between studio and, and, and theater that says this, if this is how they do, this is down in print. Right. AMC has every right in the world to go breach of contract and file a suit against Universal. You could play that out and say AMC doesn't have the money, and if they're getting $500 million in private equity, I'm sure the last thing those people want to do is fund a lawsuit and blah, 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 and that's probably all playing into it. But if there's an actual contract, I think AMC has Universal dead to rights. That's one. If there's not a contract, AMC may be SOL, and they're kind of puffing their chest out and hoping for the best here. But if they are puffing their chest out and hoping for the best, the second thing about their ire is, and what struck out most to me, and Pete the Alessandro actually hit on this as well in his article with Deadline today. Yeah. Hey, AMC... Where's the anger at WB against Scoop? Where's the anger at Disney for what they did with Artemis Fowl? Why is it just Universal and just Trolls World Tour that's got you, you know, in your crosshairs here and got your sights set on? Yeah, where's the anger with Netflix for my recent point? I, I right, think exactly. Uh, I think they're picking on someone their own size in a way, and they're not trying to go after these larger powers. And I, I think it's as simple as that. But at the same time. What AMC is doing, it might be working because there's a lot of news out there today that Universal has already caved, that they're backtracking, people are are construing, construing? Construing. 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 STR. It's like a strudel. (laughs) People are screwing each other. No, people are construing. (laughs) People are construing that... uh, you know, Universal does not have the leverage, and that AMC has all the leverage. And why is that? Why or why might that be? It's because Universal already, you know, s- spoke louder with their actions than their words because they put Fast Nine, uh, you know, to next year. They've moved most of their big, pro- you know, properties that are going to make the billion dollars or make the half a billion dollars bigger properties than Trolls World Tour. That that you know, properties that don't have all their merchandising rights, you know, in play that are time sensitive. They're basically moving their stuff around just like all these other studios have. And, and Sony, most of all, but, but WB has done it as well, and, uh, and so has Disney. I think they do need theaters in the end, and it's not just a domestic box office issue. It's a worldwide, global issue where Universal right. knows where their bread is buttered. And let's be honest, NBC Universal. They have Comcast, right? They're owned by Comcast, and, right. and basically they own cable. They they own cell phones, right? They own theme they're a parks. Yeah, they're, they're a, a conglomerate. They're a conglomerate. 
but they don't necessarily have go-to business models that are flourishing the world over yet in, in their entertainment branch, at least, let's say, because Universal Studios is in the same boat with all these other studios. We have Peacock, which hasn't even debuted yet, and then we have NBC and all the TV stations that they have that are getting basically eaten by Netflix eventually, right? So where is their sure thing that they can just, you know, throw their weight around. I don't think they have the, that leverage either, especially after all the quarter one, quarter two losses, which were reported today. Well, yeah, and that's that's what I was going to follow up with here, is that I thought Universal had all the leverage in the world, and, and we kind of see them differently. You think AMC is, this is a smart chess move on their part, uh, and part of that is that this is the perfect time for AMC to kind of throw this hissy fit because Universal did have their shareholders conference call today and their quarter one numbers were down and they said look quarter one was bad but quarter two is basically going to be a shit show and that's across the board for everybody that's involved with the the country's GDP quite frankly because of this COVID nonsense that we're all living through right now so maybe it is the perfect time for AMC to strike and and think they they have a vulnerable Universal uh, and they can set their sights on them whereas if you did this to Disney Disney would just say F you. Disney's already got a history of playing games with movie theaters, by the way. Right. How they boxed out Quentin Tarantino's debut in on, uh, in Hollywood years ago with The Hateful Eight and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, maybe this is a smart strategic move to only focus on Universal and not go after WB, not go after Disney, and this is the one that they can make the most headway with. I still say, though, mm-hmm. my read on all of this is if I, I get the feeling that Universal doesn't want this fight, but not because they can't win. I think Universal just wants peace and harmony throughout the land and everyone to make money, but especially Universal. But if Universal, and I keep saying this, if Universal wanted this fight, if they got pissed off, AMC says the wrong thing, and Universal says, oh, we can show you how powerful we are, Universal would go to Cinemark, who's been relatively a pacifist in this fight thus far, and would say, look, here's an exclusive rights deal. You're going to be our exclusive distributor, our exclusive film house for all Universal properties. That would throw a wrench into AMC's a bargaining position. That would throw a wrench into NATO as a whole. Uh, and I think Universal could actually make money doing that as well in the long term because Cinemark has, you know, not the same reach as AMC, but they're damn close. Well, Cineworld, right? Cineworld came to the back of AMC today, but there have been some rumblings out there, stuff that I read from from the trades, that they did that a bit reluctantly. And then, of course, right. they didn't go as far as AMC did. Basically, they said they'll play Universal stuff. They just won't play the stuff that's currently also right. being played on PVOD, which it's is like, also hey, not if, something... If you, if you do this again... <laughs> <laughs> but it's not something Universal said they were going to do explicitly. They left the language out there that was vague enough to basically say... Well, we could if we want to later on, and uh, you guys got to deal with it. But the problem with that is, Mike, I I still hope... Here's what I hope is not happening, okay? Mm-hmm. I hope this is not the captain and the first mate of the Titanic arguing <laughs> over things while Netflix is the iceberg that their ship is going to run into. You know, I, yeah. I hope that's not what, what's happening here. I mean, and that's that's kind of what, what we talk about and why we say Netflix is the big bad, because they're looming. They're looking at the industry, two industries, quite frankly, that they're trying to take down from the outside. They're warring with each other right now. And Netflix is like a pig in shit, just eating their slop and waiting for the, uh, you know, the mutual assured destruction of everything. Just, because if the TV world takes out the movie world, yeah. Netflix wins. And if the movie world takes out the TV world, Netflix wins. 
And what the movie world's hoping is that the you know the Netflix world takes over the TV world, and that the Netflix and all these streaming services just become TV in another mm-hmm. form, right? And that's what the movie world's hoping. They and that's hoping what the Universal has, yeah. I think, in mind. I think Universal. I don't think it's a straight up, you know, we'll we'll abide by what AMC says, or we're, we want to yeah. stick it to the movie theaters. I think Universal is thinking. If you look at the numbers from this Q1's earnings report, well, you know, video on demand was up 40% over last year. Yes, that's in part because of the COVID stuff, but cable TV is also up a third over last year, and our movies have been down. Maybe we need to pivot to survive. No, that's actually right. Universal has had a tough year or two. They have, and we've gone over it. We've covered the studios and the ultimate grosses. Universal is not doing well as these other studios, specifically Disney, right? Everybody's right. been losing to Disney, and Sony's been up, but you know most people have been down, WB and Universal to name two. Universal wants a couple of hits right now, especially with those earnings numbers coming out, especially with the uncertainty of the Peacock streaming service. They yeah, don't and they want have, the money now. They want they, the money now. Mike, they don't have the name recognition of HBO, right? They don't have what HBO Max is going to be. They don't have that with Peacock. And CBS All Access should be, you know, they should be crazed right now too. But Disney Plus, they know Disney Plus is a hit. Disney's not that worried, even though they get worried about losses. Netflix is now the biggest studio in the world somehow, up there with Disney in terms of, you know, earnings. I think that Universal... And AMC, who obviously has been in the news about going bankrupt and all of that today, of course, is, you know, they're denying those rumors that they were filing. They're, they're, everything seems like it's they're going to survive AMC. So They better. They, those stories better come out today, Mike, because if, this, if they did this on Tuesday and then Wednesday and Thursday are stories about how AMC needs this $500 million private equity, equity mm-hmm. bounce just to live, why would Universal compromise? Well, I think Universal's always wanted to try this too. Jeff Shell, I agree. NBC Universal's chairman. He he comes from TV. Ann Thompson's book, The Eleven Billion Dollar Year, talked about how the with the the movie Tower Heist with Eddie Murphy. I believe Ben Stiller was in that too. Yes, he was. They wanted to release that directly to VOD and also have it in theaters. And this guy's always been about shrinking the windows and and getting movies to people's homes faster. I think he's always wanted to try this. Now he gets the free reign to do it, even though it turns out it wasn't free reign. But I think he needs and wants a few more hits left, especially while nobody else is doing business. They want to prop up their entire conglomerate, or at least the entertainment division of that conglomerate. They want to prop up those profits with hopefully $400 million profit for Trolls World Tour. And a, maybe, you know, if it's an underground hit, a $50 million from the King of Staten Island, and maybe throw a few more of their mid-budget or lower-budget movies out there and see if they'll do well enough. I think you're right. And I'm always of the opinion in these circumstances, if you got to go again, like, it's always easier to make nice than it is to be so contentious. And that's... I don't see why Universal couldn't have gone to AMC and just... Or at least now could go to AMC, maybe, that AMC's kind of thrown this hissy fit in public. And Universal could say, look, we're just doing this throughout the COVID crisis. We Why can't we make money with our movies right now? It's right. not like we're going to... We already bumped our giant blockbusters. You know we need you for those. You know, those are coming out. We have to wait a year to gross anything from those properties. And huh. you're going to get your share of them. So why can't we get what we need right now if you're being forced to close as is? And it's not like, by the way, when movie theaters can open, at least domestically, uh, we already saw it in China, but when movie theaters can open here, they're not... Not going to get new movies for a while. 
I, I think this is the the reason. I, I think Sony moved everything. These other studios moved everything, and they didn't, you know, break the windows and, and take away a hit film from the eventual earnings of the movie theaters. And, yeah, and that's, that's the big what thing happened is that with Trolls. Trolls actually made money. Trolls is a smash hit, right. and it, if it right. made a hundred million here, it probably made three hundred overseas. So it's probably looking at eighty percent of four hundred million. What is that math, Mike? 80% of 400 million. Thank you for asking me. I was hoping for 30, uh, 320 million. 320 million off of a $120 million budget. That's $200 million profit if that's what it is out there. If that's what it ends up being, where they make $320 million profit on a basically a direct to video release. Oh my God, never mind the merchandising that the you know trolls would make and the visibility they get for Trolls World Tour. So isn't there I mean, an Universal opportunity for a contract? Like, can't you say, look, if we make $300 million, if we make $100 million profit, we'll give you 30% NATO and you can distribute that however you want amongst your members? That's what a, a lot of people writing today are saying. Like, the, this is posturing. This is tough talk. And it's always tough talk between these guys who are really all friends in the end and their business partners in the end. And basically, this is posturing to get a cut you know, to the, you know, movie theaters from the PVOD and not just have the 80-20 split the way it is. And the 80-20 split the way it is for something like, you know, a Comcast property, it, it all goes to Comcast in many cases, right? right? Or most of it, you would think, like that's vertically integrated right there. Like Comcast is also a cable net, uh, conglomerate. Right, right. And I, I don't I don't remember if it was... Brugerman for IndieWire. I don't remember if it was the Alessandro for Deadline, but to me, okay, if that's true, right? If, if if the argument is that they just want a cut of PVOD direct to VOD movies that are supposed to have theatrical releases, didn't they have this battle already with straight to VHS movies once upon a time? Obviously, it's, they weren't Trolls World Tour levels of money involved in those. It's small change, and it's right. It's on the level of a direct to video th- concept, basically, which has always been happening. In, but you in would the movie think, I would have thought that structure is in place already. It, uh, apparently not. Uh, apparently not. But I think Universal is saying we have potentially six more months of this pandemic. Potentially, like you said, theaters may not be, uh, you know, high octane churning out, you know, all of the uh, earnings that they normally do until the fall if we're lucky. So they got some time now where they can angle, you know, for a few more hits on PVOD. And there's really no there's no downside for them unless they, you know, I guess, you know, have a flop in there with the wrong property. As long as they choose the right properties, they could, you know, take their shots. Like the King of Staten Islands is a perfect example. I mean, you and me are going to buy that and review that when it comes Absolutely. out yeah. for 20 bucks a pop. And I think if, you know, you can get a hit for the kids, maybe you can get an adult skewing hit, a comedy hit that everybody will stay home and watch because there's nothing else to do right now. And that's the other, that's another part of this. And I, I know I'm just piggybacking points you're making, but doesn't it benefit everybody to know what definitely works because Netflix doesn't release their numbers? Doesn't it benefit everyone to know what definitely does work on VOD? Like, yeah. okay, we know for sure that something like Onward and Trolls World Tour, you can make money off that. That's great. That's good to know for future reference. We got that in the bag. Why not just track these movies? Work out something where NATO gets a chunk already. Say we're going to put out these test properties, these test balloons, just to see what the hell's going on on VOD right now during the pandemic and just keep track of them. And then everybody's fat and happy and gets the monies that they weren't going to get anyway because nothing can be shown in theaters at this moment as it is 
I think that's where they're going to get eventually, but I don't know how the theaters can really make that argument if it's not in writing. I know these are, you know, accepted business practices. Mike, I mean, it's got to be in writing. Well, right? it could I be mean, an you're, implied. You're a lawyer. I mean, it could be an implied contract, and yeah. I would assume that's how it would be, and that's how it would be viewed. But there's, if it's not in writing, I mean, the easiest to default to, the easiest decision and ruling to make is if you have a piece of paper that says this thing. Otherwise, it becomes murky no matter how long standing it is. All right, so we don't necessarily think the movie industry is going to die in flames very, you know, soon, correct? Not until Netflix decides it will, yes. <laughs> That's right, Netflix. <laughs> but here's the thing, like, Netflix may not take out the movie industry, it may take out the TV industry. That's what Netflix, I mean. should, Netflix shouldn't do shit right now. Netflix right. should just concentrate on making quality programming. That's true, and that's, pro- that's pretty much what they're doing. But I yeah. guess what I'm asking at the end of the day is, and to bring this back to Netflix, is did the Academy let Netflix into the hen house? Did they let the Fox into the hen house when they legitimized them as a movie studio by letting them go for Oscars by and for the movie theaters for letting them you know skip out on the windows, which is essentially what they've been doing? But did the theaters have a choice this is well, this goes back to what I said. If if a streaming service, if Movie Pass just pivoted and became the uh, two weeks after theatrical release company, like Netflix, I think their pockets were so deep and their ties were so tied into industry professionals. By right. the time they actually started creating original content, as they did, I think they were unstoppable. And I think that's again goes back to why AMC picks this fight with Universal and not Disney in the first place. You can only, I mean, if somebody's got so much deeper pockets than you do, they have to get their way. Uh, ultimately, I agree with you. Basically, what the movie industry said and what the Academy said is we'd rather have Netflix in the movie industry than on the TV side of things taking right. over the movie industry. You know, we can't have Netflix. We'd rather have them as friend than foe, as uh, as contributor than rival. And therefore, they, you know, fucked with all the rules for Netflix in order for them to be on the same team and for for them to employ all of the the talent that they're employing now and making movies the way they are as the, literally the biggest studio on the planet. And Netflix I think has been eating a lot of shit too. Yeah. And they've done it I think in stride whether it's from film festivals, from the Oscars, from the Academy who's now narrowing or making, you know, further exemptions for Netflix and trying to make them go into theaters more often. And I think they've done it all in stride. And part of me, the evil, evil side of me wants to see Netflix act like AMC did right now and just say, look, we're, we're going to stop our feet until we have our way because AMC doesn't have the pockets to run with the big boys. Netflix does. And if Netflix threw a conniption fit in public and said we wanted to change things and have it be this way, it would be very interesting to see on which side of the battle lines everyone like NATO, the Academy, the you know the studios, where everyone falls. The Oscars have been broadcast on ABC, and the Oscars mm-hmm. will be broadcast on ABC for the next seven or eight years, right? I mm-hmm. think it's nine. It might be nine years. 2028 or 2029, forgive me. Basically, we've had bigger studios than Netflix up till now. We've had Disney. We've had Buena Vista. We've had other studios that Netflix has surpassed since then. Now, you had the kryptonite that could kill Superman. Yeah. Right. Now that Netflix is bigger than anybody, everybody for the time being, even though probably Disney will surpass them again in a short time, 
now it's a different game. And that's been my biggest question from this entire pandemic. Like Netflix has just gained so much power and HBO Max could gain a lot of power. And, you know, I guess if you're a fan of the theatrical movie going experience, you know, Disney Plus has gained a lot of power as well. These streaming services are just gaining so much power. And when I say power, I mean money. They're yeah. gaining money, and money is power in this business. It's all about the money. Follow the money. That's what a lot of the great writers, from Ann Thompson to Mr. D'Alessandro on Deadline, that's all what they've been saying today. you got to follow the money. This is what it's about. It's about the dollar at the end of the day. Who's got it? That's who's got the power. And I, I, I would think that if Netflix gets into it two years from now with the Academy, you might be exactly right. Netflix, if they throw their weight around at that stage when they're bigger than everybody, they might get their way. And in the same way, it might be perfect timing for AMC to throw this conniption fit at Universal because of Universal's finances. It could be the perfect time for Netflix to do this now, too, because like you said, they may not be the biggest guy, the biggest hen in the, the rooster in the hen house, fox in the hen house for much longer if Disney reestablishes their footing once this pandemic dies down. Though, again, that's, I mean, I don't yeah. expect, we don't expect Netflix to do anything right now, obviously. And I don't, I think Netflix, more than any studio right now, has kind of had the, the goodwill of, certainly their workers and the industry at large in mind with how much they are churning and reinvesting their money into trying to keep people's head above water uh, on lower on the card, the below the line workers here. But I mean, this is, this is crazy. I think we both expect this to end nicely, right? Yeah. I I do think they're going to come to a compromise. They got time to come to it as well, because Candyman doesn't come out till September. Yeah, The Purge comes out in July, but Halloween Kills doesn't come out until October. Those are like the next three big Universal releases, even though they got an untitled event film in August on August 14th. I don't know what that's going to be on the Universal website, but looking at it today, I mean, we got until at least July for AMC to figure it out. And I don't think AMC is doing huge business on their own streaming service there, their VOD thing. Yeah, I can't imagine. So does it hurt them that much that the Universal stuff is not on there? I mean, it doesn't help them but does it hurt them that much could be i i would assume not because of that reason i mean how much are they doing anyway i think the biggest mover for amc right now as far as finances go uh it doesn't have anything to do with any kind of uh revenue stream they have right now i think it has to do with the investment the 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 private equity that they're raising and they supposedly have at their hands so i think that's the biggest mover and decision maker they have to answer to right now yeah, and apparently they're reworking all of their rental agreements, just like all of the theaters are doing around the world, and hopefully they do, because, I mean, that that's probably the biggest issue, like the landlord argument that we've foreshadowed in previous MMOWs, Mike, and that, that's the biggest issue with an over-leveraged AMC right now. They can't pay their rent. I think they'll be okay based on, you know, the reports of the last few days, or maybe it's all just bluster from them and they're looking at their business model for the next two years and they're saying, oh my God, if we take another 20% loss because we don't have the PVOD dollars that are now going to, you know, people watching movies at home and are not coming to our theaters, we won't survive. So we better make our fight now. Yeah. The interesting thing from a legal standpoint is going to be, watching which studios and which representatives in Congress and the Senate advocate for changing any kind of antitrust laws as it goes to movie theaters. Because if AMC is working a back deal negotiation and they know they can't survive, you can expect those antitrust laws to go because Disney's going to slap in and and buy those theaters, right? Or if not Disney, uh, maybe Universal, not Universal, maybe Warner Brothers. I mean, some kind of, it's not going to be Netflix. We know that, but somebody's going to step in and buy that chain, I would think. (laughs) 
I don't know, Mike. I think the streaming business model is proven. I know the theatrical business model is proven, and it's proven worldwide. Let's be honest. There's more people going to the movies than ever before. There's more butts in the seat than ever before because it's now on a global scale. Everybody talks about the decline in attendance in the the domestic box office, even though the money has gone up because the prices have been hiked up for this and that and all the bells and whistles. But there's more movie going worldwide at the theaters because that business has become global. China is huge. And what box offices happen in, in, the, in, in the United States is threefold for, for the movies that matter. Like you said to me before the show, the movies that matter, it's threefold overseas. Yeah, and, and the reason it's, it's like that, the reason it breaks down to three to one and why the international market matters so much is because of blockbuster filmmaking and how that's become the tentpole for mainstream profit and revenue in the industry right now. And that brings up the argument that we kind of hinted at a couple, our last episode as well. Okay. If theater, if studios know they need theaters specifically Mm -hmm. for blockbusters, if they know they need theaters worldwide, at least to make the most money they can off blockbusters, do we get to a point in the theatrical experience where they only exist for showing blockbusters from the biggest conglomerates and do we all live Martin Scorsese's nightmare the way we're kind of living Steven Spielberg's right now well Mike if the king of Staten Island as a comedy right as as a premium comedy Judd Apatow Saturday Night Live's Pete Davidson up-and-coming talent if that is a hit on premium VOD I think that's going to be a bigger domino for for what you're saying now. And that, you know, I mean, your forecast, your grim forecast is that we'll only get blockbusters in movie theaters, even worse than what's happening over the last few years, right? So, yeah, and that's that's the the craziest thing right now is if Universal is allowed their trial, and maybe that's what AMC is afraid of, if they're allowed all their trials – with all these mid-budget movies, and if these are massive hits, and I mean, God forbid they find a massive hit, like a Pulp Fiction-sized hit, what right. if The King of Staten Island makes $400 million on pr- premium VOD? Holy right. shit, everything right. changes at that point. Yeah, good point. Oh, well, <laughs> going to be interesting to keep an eye on for sure, and that's why we keep rolling out these new shows and why we uh, always schedule one once a week so we can stay on top of these, and, and at least once a week, I should have said, so we can stay on top of these and the changes that come with them, and these will certainly have forthcoming changes as well. But, Mike, we also have some other Oscar-related news to go through for this ORC episode. Yeah, I wanted to clarify a few of the Oscar rule changes real quick. Jessica Pena of Award Circuit did a great job in her article kind of uh, to set us straight. She said the uh, prior exhibition rule, you know, we were wondering about that. Was it three weeks? We actually were talking about it as three weeks in our last episode. It's really seven days in L.A. County, three screenings a day. That's that was the minimum rule that you have the temporary exemption for now. Then we have uh Correction number two from our, you know, ranting and raving in the last episode. Scott Feinberg clarified that there will be 23 Oscar awards given at next year's ceremony. I think we could all agree here and now that none of us truly know how many Oscars are ever given I should have known because I went 20 for 24. That's not a humble brag. That's just a brag, damn it. I went 20 for 24. I was very proud of myself and my predictions. I should have remembered the 24. So we talk about away, so many things in this brand that I can't keep track of any of them anymore. <laughs> Finally, we were wondering if Big Time Adolescence that premiered on Hulu that we reviewed was mm-hmm. going to be eligible for Oscars 
years. I did a little research, and that apparently was set for a theatrical release the week before it eventually premiered on Hulu. However, all of that changed with the coronavirus because it was, you know, set for a theatrical release the first week of March. They nixed that, and then they just put it out on Hulu a week earlier than it was supposed to premiere. So, you know, by the Academy's bylaws there... If they say, you know, a theatrical release plan was in place for bad, you know, big time adolescents, then basically they would allow that to be eligible. But well, like that's we a perfect said, test balloon that I was talking about. So yeah. does that qualify for the for the Academy's you know terms of what what is and what substantiates a planned theatrical release or not? Does they got to put it on the Academy's streaming service, basically to declare right now. But yeah, I think that plan should qualify. Just like Crip Camp was supposed to go in theaters, never really, sometimes, always did actually play in a, in a few theaters before it got pulled. Onward obviously had a week or two. And Trolls World Tour is now under the exception. The King of Staten Island and Scoob, they'll fall under the exception. So... We're going to get a full Oscars, uh, and it seems to be that there hasn't been much outrage over what is a planned theatrical release. It seems to be people, at least at this point, have an understanding of what that means, but it's going to be, again, something worthy of keeping an eye on as we go forward through the year and we get into the later dates when the theatrical releases were a little more murky than they are uh, at this point in the springtime. So a lot of stuff up in the air, as it always is. Uh, Got some more news to kind of wrap up this show with and go down the list here. Yeah, China is planning to reopen movie theaters in in June, Mike. Uh, They've already tried to reopen before, but I guess this is a good sign, right? Yeah, I would think I would take that as a positive. Uh, It seems like they're more relatively in the clear now than they were a month or a month and a half ago. We already reported once on how they were going to test open 500 theaters and abide by strict social distancing guidelines and only fill somewhat capacity and blah, blah, blah. And they almost immediately shut all the theaters they tried that with because they weren't out of the woods yet. And that's the danger of opening too quick. It's certainly a lesson to be learned stateside. If you open some of these municipalities too quickly, you run the risk of just rebooting up that, uh, that curve, which nobody wants to do. At least for this weekend, all the movie theaters, basically to a theater, they're saying, no, we're not going to reopen because, you know, we got to train people, we got to have masks, we right. got to have the cleaning in place. We got to. It, it takes too much to get ready this fast. And even in Georgia, you know, every all the reports today are saying that nobody's opening up this weekend, even though states like Georgia are allowing it. So it, it's interesting because you're getting a lot of reports out there about theaters starting to get ready to reopen, and there's surveys being done. There was a big Hollywood Reporter article on this saying that more than half of Americans would return if, yes, a state reopened, and there were masks and cleanings and measures in place. And then, you know, 22% would only uh, show up if, if, if you know, one of those things weren't available, or if all of those things weren't available. So... I think, what, what about you, Mike? How do you read? I, I have. I can't. I can't bring myself to go to a theater anytime soon. I just. I. I, I unless I know I can sit in the back away from everything. Mike, I, I hate to say this because I, I am a champion of the theatrical movie-going experience, yeah. but I'm going to go where the movies are, and I, I'm not going to risk the, the people I love in my life if this right. thing is not ass- assuredly gone either. But I, I'll go where the movies are at the end of the day. Like, if we have to review something, I would want to go, but I would probably vote no at the end of the day. You know, even like we may be faced with this, 
you know, because we're closer to a hot spot in Connecticut. We're closer right. to New York. We're closer to Boston. What if we're still dealing with this shit when Tenet is coming out? If there's a resurgence or whatever, and it's, it's not safe for us to go out, we're not going to go out. We'll we're going to be adult U- about it. We'll put our YouTube channel up and we'll just have you and I reenact what we think Tenet's plot is. <laughs> Guess the plot. <laughs> we'll have to do a guess the plot. We don't know. But, Mike, AMC Theaters, they won't reopen until there's new content, basically. That's what they said because it's probably not worth their while. So they're targeting the tenant uh, July 17th and the Mulan uh, July 27th as as possible dates there. I wonder, this brings up a whole new list of questions. So if movie theaters open up in all these states that are opening early, and we've already talked about on this show how they're going to show older movies from this library of films they have. Well, the question I have is, have studios already submitted like, is there a standing contract for films that are in those backlogged libraries? Because if there's not, why in the world would Disney, say, give studios Star Wars to play when you can just get them on Disney Plus and stay at home and watch them instead? Like, they'd be giving away something to a theater seat that they could just have a subscription for? Well, I, I wonder that in my head. Are these studios really going to play that nicely? I'm sure the, the, the ones that don't have streaming options will, but mm-hmm. would Universal? Would Disney? I, I don't know. IFC Films, are, they're already offering 200 films from their library uh, for free to theaters upon reopening. I don't know what the, the majors will do, to, to be honest. I, I think they would put stuff out there because they already offered it to China. We covered that story months ago. So with the Harry Potters, et cetera, right. that they're, they were just going to you know resume movie going with because they didn't have the new releases. But they actually had a couple different levels of new releases. The problem with that, we don't have those levels. Like we're all watching all these movies at home. Right. Like why would we go to the movies to see 1917? Right, right. At it's, this stage. Yeah. That, well, that's the problem I'm asking. Because the first thought that came in my head is like, it's going to be funny to see like Back to the Future at the top of the box office in 2020 once again, because I, I think we might be heading in that direction. Well, that would be cool. Films. It, right. It, but then it's like, why would these studios offer that up if it meant they were taking away from their own subscriber base? Like, I don't think Netflix is going to give any of their movies to these because theaters. Because it's important to them that the theaters make money and get back onto their, to their feet. It's just that important to them. Right, so they'll right, which take is a the fair shot. argument, but they're going, it's not like the theaters aren't on their feet because of that right now. The theaters aren't on their feet because there's just no new movies to show yet. Well, that's that's why AMC is in the pipeline. That's why AMC is saying they're not going to, you know, start up until they have new movies. But it's interesting what California is saying. Their governor came out and said he has a, a four phase plan and movies would only open in phase three. So basically movies would only open at the Ant-Man and the Wasp stage of his phase three. (laughs) It's funny. You and MCU, the first thing I thought of was the episode of The Office where Michael announces that there's a 45-day plan that they're going to come back out with and get to save the company. All right, day 45, company saved. Day 44, you go. Uh, I was laughing, but I've never seen that episode, Mike. (laughs) Awkward edit because we had to stop and you had to explain the episode to me. I won't uh, chastise you. You've actually been watching new stuff. Anyway, I want to talk about the film festivals as kind of the final thing today because Tribeca and YouTube just announced they are joining forces, you know, as well as Cannes, Venice, TIFF. The We Are One streaming festival is going to hit YouTube, Mike. What is this? What form is this going to take? I have 
No idea. <laughs> because we've seen bigger name festivals already try to go the virtual uh, and, and untheatrical route, and it's kind of not gone very well. And this seems to be one that the festivals are excited for going this route this time. So I'm curious, I think, as any of us should be, to see what exactly is going on. And once one festival figures out how to do this virtually to satisfy and satiate everybody, I think they could be changing festivals uh, for eternity to come. I, I still am a little, uh, what's what's the opposite of bullish? Cautious. Bearish. I'm bearish. <laughs> I'm still a little bearish against, against you there because I... I think festivals have a proven model. Like people need the festivals. It's it's you know if you read Ann Thompson's book, if you you know she is just such an advocate of the festivals having their place in the movie calendar year. Yeah, so I don't important. I don't think I don't think it would replace the festivals by any means. I well, think I still th- think those would happen. That's what I'm wondering about for this year's Oscar campaign. We've already seen King Richard off the board, the Eternals off the board, In the Heights off the board, Mike. Are we going to see a lot of these smaller festival movies, these indie Oscar hopefuls, those kinds of contenders like A Parasite from last year? Are we going to see them pulled off the board because they're not going to put their stuff out for free on YouTube, just like most of South by Southwest is not going to put their stuff out on Amazon Prime? And I watched a bunch of the movies that South by Southwest has already on Prime. There's a couple of good movies on there. I love the Johnny Cat, you know, the wife of Johnny Cash movie, My darling vivian i I love some of the short films cat Cat in the wall is so boring but it's it's well made (laughs) it's about a cat it's stuck in the wall is there a wall oh okay good i'm I'm a dog person (laughs) but no it's a good movie look i I, none of those movies are going to contend for oscars none of those movies are going to be hits at the box office these are movies from filmmakers trying to get attention for their work and and well-deserved attention i'm glad they took that gamble and i hope it pays off for their careers because i'm being exposed to new filmmakers via this amazon prime offering right now that's probably what we get from tribeca and Cannes and venice and tiff we're not going to get those a-list properties from the the festivals like last year's parasite on youtube for free for 10 days no i agree and that's kind of the the vision i have of the future of this type of thing anyway i don't think you're going to get the mainline movies being available right away from the festivals for that exact reason i think word of mouth does a load of good and that's why the festivals exist and you quoted ann thompson and i i agree with all that but i think it could be used as a platform to bring exposure to smaller films that don't like it never rarely sometimes always maybe it's not an oscars contender but it's a damn fine film that deserves to have more eyes on it and maybe it gains more exposure that way and that's kind of what I have in my head for the future of festivals as far as figuring out the virtual market. To go off your hypothetical I think there's going to be a zillion questions that we're going to ask ourselves with regards to this year's Oscars. Is there going to be something like Parasite? Can it even be possible without real life festivals happening this year? Do we defer more to happier films because 2020 has just been such a shit show that we just want to be pleased? I think all of these types of things have already been marinating in my head already and how it's going to play out. And it obviously all depends on when this pandemic actually ends. Does it rebound and come back? Or do we have any sense of normalcy for the film year before and the Oscars lead up? before 2020 actually ends so we have a ways to go with all of it but yeah i think we're setting ourselves up obviously it seems obvious to say because of the time we're living in but we're setting ourselves up for an oscars year like we've never truly seen before 
never before. And that's why Ann Thompson's articles on IndieWire are cautiously optimistic that we are, in fact, going to have the Oscars play on the date they're supposed to play. Because I could totally see festivals getting pushed. I could totally see the Oscars getting pushed to a later date. I could, I could totally, like her, I could totally see that because she is such a stickler for, and she, a proponent of the Oscar calendar. Are we really going to head into an Oscars where only popular, happy films that had a wide release are, are, contending for it right. and i i don't know if that's going to happen but i did want one final story on the film festivals mike fantasia the fantasia film fest they just released the plans that they have and they might have shown all these other fist film festivals how it's done because they said they're going to sell a limited amount of tickets per streaming or of a screening essentially they might be doing what we've been advocating you know, for South by Southwest and Tribeca and all these other film festivals to do. If you just need to get the the powers that be, the tastemakers, if you just need to get a couple hundred people starting to buzz about your movie, the right couple hundred people, hopefully, then maybe that's the way you do it. You just sell tickets and you, you make your money that way. I mean, doesn't you're not making make, as much money. Doesn't this make the most sense? I know we kind of kick this around, but it just seems like the obvious answer if you are going to go online and open up for, for any of this. And I think if you do it this way, you could actually. I mean, you, the security is going to have to be utmost. you got to figure out a way yeah. to keep any hackers out of it because what if, if Parasite got online early or people want right. to spoil it that way, it could have been a disaster. But True. Uh, if you this, if your security is tight, if that world exists... Uh, you could show Oscar movies this way or p- potential awards contenders to have them get the proper amount of buzz and live off word of mouth. That could be a whole new way of doing it. I would think there'd be some reluctance to that because of this world we do live in and how hackers can do whatever it seems at will. Yeah. So I think they'd want to get that flushed out first, but I th- it could be a viable alternative at some point. And they could expand from the normal couple hundred people that would see their two screenings at a film festival. They could make it a couple thousand people. And again, you could get the critics involved. Like every critic could go to every film festival if it's virtual. Right? Can't we? I mean, that would be awesome. And then <laughs> oh, well, that's our dream world. Yeah. <laughs> and then the diehards, then the diehard film lovers, could, you know, they could pay the premium to watch these movies online. And it could be appointment viewing and it could be something that is kind of uh, scarce, scarce enough to where you just get the passionate moviegoers watching it. You can have watch parties involved with it all. I don't know if that's going to replicate the, the film festival experience. I'm sure it's not, but you could kind of get at what you need to get out of the festival that away when i used a lot too many pronouns well you also dropped jordan peele's get out which i appreciate Uh, okay but when the world looks back at when the industry changed for better or for worse i think they're going to look at this year as one of the major turning points and pivot points and the decisions that the studios and filmmakers uh independently owned chains independent filmmakers decisions everyone makes that's involved in this industry going forward as a means of reacting and adapting it's kind of going to set the blueprint from as to where we go next. And it's exciting and it's terrifying and <laughs> it's all those things in one. Uh, but we're going to be along for the ride, uh, commenting and then passing judgment, <laughs> criticizing and praising and all that fun <laughs> stuff as we do here in MMO. And we hope uh, we, you will keep tuning in and listening. And guys, as always, we want to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about anything we talked about with this 
mishagog of a mess between AMC <laughs> and Universal and Cinemark and Regal Cinemas, et cetera, et cetera, as well as anything else we covered in this program or any other MMO show. You can leave us those comments. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, .com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. And again, as always, if you are choosing to quarantine with us, we thank you for letting us trying to entertain you. If you would be so kind, just leave us a five-star review. We would truly, truly appreciate that michael words of wisdom and what's coming next from mmo what's coming next is mmow we got a lot of stuff to review we got a lot of uh you know a lot more news to hit on i'm sure we got a lot of stuff that we watch together which is kind of fun because this episode's been brewing for like a week and a half now right <laughs> it's a long um, one <laughs> in terms of words of wisdom you got until may 6th to uh support those filmmakers who took that gamble uh, you know for amazon prime and south by southwest i do think that's a worthy cause i do think that uh you know tune in watch a couple of the short films basic is pretty fun it's four minutes there's a lot of short films that are like four and nine minutes so i i think you get you get the intro by the by the filmmaker and some of them have some charming ass personalities so you'll get to know some cool people that way so turn on your amazon prime watch a few film festival movies and you know maybe if you can't stand the boring cat in the wall one you'll like a few others <laughs> flex those cinematic muscles even though you're stuck home in quarantine i think that's wise words indeed michael uh guys when reality sucks you can come watch these movies hang out and just watch this just crazy, crazy film world <laughs> unravel with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.